Now, during times of disappointment, it is a natural human experience to question your faith. I don't want you to think that because you question your faith, that somehow you don't have faith. Even Jesus had a moment in his life when he was on the cross where he cried out to his heavenly father. And he said, Eli, Eli, lala shabbatane. In other words, he was asking God, he said, is there any other way? He says, my God, my God, hast thou forsaken me? Is there any other way this can take place? Now, he had a moment of human experience. And I believe it was illustrated so that you and I can see that we too have these moments of human experience, but these moments of human experience are not supposed to be our forever. Understand this. When we question our faith or when we feel disconnected from our faith, that is not a time to say we don't have faith. It is the opportunity for us to go and refortify the faith that we have. Now, that might seem strange to you. But if you study and you read your Bible, you see this show up time and time again, that there were people who, who felt a particular way because of disappointment, because of disillusionment, because of abandonment, because they felt like they were all alone. But it was in those times that we see that there was a difference made between the, those who stayed in those situations and those who decided to say, you know what? God is greater than this situation. God is bigger than this. I'm going to trust God. Now, it is a challenging phase that we all have to face. At some point in our life, we all have to face disappointment because disappointment is actually designed. The enemy wants disappointment to be used to derail us. God uses, he doesn't bring it, but he uses disappointment in our human experience to allow us the opportunity to strengthen our faith, to fortify our patience and to build our consistency. Why? Because it allows us to test our strength and our depth of our faith. Jesus did this with his disciples. Things would happen. He would ask them a question. He would share with them a parable. They would have an experience. And sometimes he would say to them, oh, ye of little faith. Why? Because they had not grown in the depth of, 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 of what he had shown them and who they were supposed to be. Now, when we talk about faith, what we're talking about is our absolute reliance on God's ability to be God. That is really what faith is. I know we have a working definition of faith that we use, and it's a great working definition. But when you really start to think about what is your faith, right? When, when you start thinking about you as an individual, your faith, what does your faith represent? We know that faith is supernatural power that comes from God. We know that faith is supernatural power that comes from God that is given to mankind so that mankind can then use that to bring God's will to pass in the earth. But what is faith inside of you? Faith on the inside of you is your absolute reliance. It is you putting your whole entire weight, everything you got, you're putting it on God and his ability, watch this, to be God. 
It's not just it's not just that he's God. It's that he's God and it's his ability to be God. And so what I decided to do tonight is we're going to let our Bible talk to us just a little bit. When we talk about staying in faith, we, we got to have some staying power. And what I have learned uh, over the years of my life is the best thing that helps you have staying power in times of disappointment, the best thing to help you have staying power when all hell is breaking loose all around you, the best thing that will help you have staying power when every expectation that you have has not come out right is the word of God. It is the word of God. And so let's go to the word of God and let's look at what God has to say about how we fortify our faith in times of disappointment. In times of disappointment, we have to consider the words of James. In James chapter one, verse two through four, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials, watch this, of many kinds, that lets us know that it's not going to be just a financial issue. It's not going to be just a marital issue. It's not just going to be a career issue, but there are going to be many kinds of trials that we're going to face. He says, and consider it pure joy because you know that this testing, right, this thing that you're going through, this disappointment that you're experiencing, that what it's doing is it is testing your faith. What do you mean it's testing my faith? It is testing your absolute reliance on your belief in God's ability to be God. That, that's what this disappointment is doing. The enemy wants to see, will you give up on this idea that God can do everything? Will you give up on this idea that God can rescue you? Will you give up on this idea that God can heal you? Will you give up on this idea that God can get you out of debt, that God can fix your relationship, that God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in him? Do you even believe that there's still power in him? Disillusionment, disappointment, and disdain come to rob us of our reliance on God's ability to be God. James 1, 2, and 4 says, then let perseverance finish its work. In other words, when disappointment comes, don't, don't look to run away from it in the sense that you just try to avoid all disappointment. What's the best way to avoid disappointment? Never have any expectations. But the Bible says my expectation comes from God. So if I don't even have an expectation in what God has promised, sure, I won't be disappointed, but I also won't have any expectation in what God said he would do. So he says you got to let perseverance. You got to let that thing finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and what? Complete? What? And lacking nothing. That's the reason we've been making this confession. I will not allow disappointment to derail my destinies, my desires, or anything else that I have. I, I just won't let it. I won't let it derail my dreams. I won't let it derail my destiny. I won't let it derail my desires. Why? Because I'm going to let perseverance have its finished work. I, I, I'm going to let perseverance have its finished work in me. And we all have disappointments. 
So your disappointment is not so unique that you get to not do the thing that everybody else has to do. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. In 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, it says, In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Notice this. He says, yeah, you're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to suffer some things. It's not always going to be butterflies, rainbows, and unicorns happening in your life. He said, there's going to be some dark times. There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some times that you're going to have to go through some something that you may not even wish on your worst enemy. He said, but these things have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the proven genuineness of your faith, he says, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. When he's talking about Jesus being revealed, that's just not Jesus coming back uh, to, to resurrect us. When you go through disappointments and you stand in your faith, and people get to see God bring you out, Jesus gets revealed to them. They get to see a living example of what it's like to have Christ in your life. There's a scripture that says, as Jesus is in this world, so are we. So when we go through something and we don't give in, we don't cave in. We don't quit. We don't throw a pity party. We don't run away from God when we don't do those things, but we stand flat footed in our faith, declaring what the word of God says, acting just like we have already received the end of our faith. Then people get to see Jesus revealed. Somebody type this in the comments, say, I will allow Jesus to be revealed in me. I will allow Jesus to be revealed in me. Why? Because I want other people, and there's a scripture we're going to use, and I'm going to come back to it later. There's a scripture we're going to use that talks about when we do this, it's not just a benefit to us. It becomes a benefit to other people. Some of you need to realize that you may be the first Jesus, the first example of Jesus that many people ever get to see. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it's so many people who go to dead churches. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. What I mean is they don't teach faith. They don't teach that disappointment is not supposed to derail you. They like they, they teach things like, well, baby, you know, uh, it, you know, some things just happen. You just you just can't ever predict what God's going to do. Uh, God is mysterious in all his ways. And if it be his will, that's not what the word of God says. That is not what the word of God tells us. It does not tell us that we have to accept disappointment. It says that disappointment will come. But Jesus says in me, we've already overcome that disappointment. And so we have to keep our mindset that we, even though we may have been going through some dark things, we're, we're going to acknowledge they're dark, but we're not going to stay in the darkness, praise God. We're going to let this thing prove the genuineness of our faith. And then he uses the example. He said, our faith is like gold. Anytime that you go and you find gold ore, you actually dig gold out of the earth. No one wants the gold ore. 
that gold ore has to be refined and they refine it by putting it under pressure, by heating it to multiple of hundreds and maybe even thousands of degrees. Why? Because it burns away everything else but the gold. And that is sometimes what these disappointments are doing for you. You think disappointments are coming to make your life miserable, but in reality, it's burning away all of that other stuff. It's burning away self-reliance. It's burning away self-control. It's burning away the idea that you think you always got to be involved in order for it to make it happen, even though God said he was the one who was going to make it happen. It's coming to burn that stuff away so that you can be refined and show up radiant in your faith. He says so that you can be mature, so that you can be complete. He says, and in that way, you learn to give God praise even in the midst of disappointments. Somebody type this in the comments. Say, I'll praise God no matter what. I will praise God no matter what. Romans chapter five, verse three through five says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Notice this. Here's three scriptures that's talked about that we give God praise, that we worship him or that we glorify him in the midst, in the midst, in the middle of the suffering. Romans five, three through five says we do it because we know that this current suffering, which really is just a light affliction, if you want to be honest. It produces perseverance in us. And then what perseverance does, it produces godly character in us. And then watch this, that godly character produces something amazing. It produces something called hope. It produces something called hope. And hope is what you need when you are in a mist of disappointment, when you are in the middle of a storm, when you're facing a battle that is insurmountable compared to anything you've ever faced before. You need hope. Why? Because he says hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love, praise God, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Ghost, who has been given to us. So when I learn to do these things, when I learn to praise God in the midst of my disappointment, when I learn to say, you know what, even though this thing I'm going through, Honestly, it's just a light affliction. When I learn to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to count it all joy because I understand that these trials that I'm facing, they are working to make my faith even stronger. Am I happy about the disappointment? No. Am I happy that the thing didn't work out? Absolutely not. Am I disappointed that I didn't get the job? Am I disappointed I didn't get back in school? Am I disappointed I didn't get the promotion? Am I disappointed I still got to wear this brace? I still got to go back to the doctor. I still got to do this. I still got to. I'm disappointed, but you know what? I'm going to give God glory anyway. You know, how am I going to give God glory? Because I'm going to say, God, I thank you because it could be worse. I thank you for what it is, God. I, I acknowledge what it is, but I also remember what you have said. And I am, a, I am leaning on, or I am relying on, or I'm putting my weight on your ability to be God. Your ability to be God. My absolute reliance 
is on you and I'm connecting the two, your ability to be Yahweh, your ability to be El Elyon, your ability to be Jehovah Makedesh, your ability to be Jehovah Jireh. I'm putting everything I have on you and your ability to say who you are. That's what I'm going to do. See, faith fuels hope. I'm sitting here preaching to you and my hope is getting built even right this moment. I am containing myself so that I can do the will of God in teaching this message. But as I keep preaching to you, my hope is growing. The things I want to see come to pass in my life are getting bigger. The things I want God to do for me is growing stronger even as I'm preaching to you. So if you are preached to you, guess what will happen? Your hope will grow. Your hope will grow. And why is hope so important? Because on Sunday we said this. We said that disappointment was a feeling of dissatisfaction that follows failure or a perceived failure or an expectation or a hope to manifest. That's what we said disappointment was. So if that's what disappointment is, then what is hope? Hope is the optimistic state that we find ourselves in. It's an optimistic state of mind based on the expectation of a positive outcome. So if I got to choose disappointment or I got to choose hope, I put them both before you. And in case you don't know which one to choose, choose hope. Choose hope. How do I choose hope? By knowing what God said in his word. Because disappointment is just going to breed more disappointment. But hope is going to breed more hope. And so then our faith turns around and fuels our hope. Our hope allows us to stand in faith in the times of great difficulty, especially in the time of disappointment. And so if we want to have biblical hope, we have to make sure we are rooted in faith. We know that faith begins. Come on, preachers. Come on. Y'all done heard this before. Where does faith begin? Where the will of God is known. Where do we go to get the will of God? We go to his word. What did God say? He said, by his stripes, we are healed. He says, we are out of debt. He says, we are the head. We are not the tail. What, what did God say? He says, I came that you might have a life and that you may have it more abundantly that you may have it to the full until it overflows. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are thoughts of hope. They are thoughts of victory. They are thoughts to give you an expected end and a great outcome, but you gotta know the word. You have to know the word. That is where your faith is founded and it is how your faith fuels your hope. Understand this, our hope allows us to envision a future where current difficulties are overcome and transformed. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. Your hope, what it does is it allows you to envision a future time where current difficulties are overcome and transformed. It happens when you believe you receive. But your hope keeps you rooted in faith until the natural catches up with the spiritual. See, I believe I receive my mother's healing right now. I believe I receive it. 
So it doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what symptoms she may be experiencing. My faith is going to keep me rooted and my faith is going to fuel my hope. And my hope is going to give me the optimistic state of mind I need based on this positive outcome. And this positive outcome is going to come because of the hope that I have. Not in me, not in medicine, not in doctors, but in what God said about my mom. That's how it works. I have a vision of what it looks like when she's healthy and strong again. I have a vision of what it looks like when she's back to bowling again. I have a vision of what it looks like when she's back to cracking jokes again. I have a vision for when she's doing the things that she does again. That vision is what keeps me smiling even in times of great disappointment. You got to have hope. But hope cannot be based on some imaginary event. Hope is fueled by faith and faith comes from knowing the will of God. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. It says, look here, guys. We are hard pressed on every side, okay? And, and this is for everybody. So what you're going through is not unique to you. You don't get to have a pity party just because you're going through something this moment. He says, we are all hard pressed on every side. He said, but be clear, we are not crushed. He says, we are not perplexed. He says, we are not in despair. He says, we may be persecuted. This disappointment may be coming against us. He says, but don't ever forget, we are not abandoned. We are not struck down and we are not destroyed. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Somebody ought to give God some praise. I know you lost your job. I know you don't currently have a car. I know your rent went up. I know the doctor didn't give you a good report. I know you're struggling in this area or that area, but you need to grab hold to 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 and let it become the food that you eat three times a day. It, the Bible says, God, we desired your word more than your necessary food, more, more than our necessary food. We desire your word more than our necessary food. You ought to eat this scripture three times a day. He says, man, look, yeah, we got it rough. Okay, we can acknowledge that. We're hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are not perplexed. We are not in despair. Even when the enemy tries to persecute us, we are not abandoned. God did not leave us. We are not struck down. It's not over. One disappointment is not a, it doesn't mean the death and defeat. We are not struck down and we are not destroyed. What are we? Greater, than, greater, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Therefore, we are world overcomers. That's what we are. We are victorious, thanks be to God, who causes us to triumph. That's who we are. And because that's who we are, we need to have the same mentality that Habakkuk had. If you read the book of Habakkuk, you get to the third chapter of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And you find these words recorded. And you should really read Habakkuk. It's a great dialogue of, of questioning and talking to God. And, and then coming to the realization that we are not pressed down so that we can't come up. That we are not crushed. That we are not perplexed. Here's what he says. He says, though the fig tree does not blossom. He says, neither shall there be any grapes on the vines. 
He says, even if the olive crop shall fail, and even if my fields produce no food, he says, though there are no sheep in the pen, he says, even if there is no cattle in the stalls, you got to get this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be short. I don't want to be curt. But this is the reason that it, it, that it bothers me. When I have born again believers who are supposed to be mature in the Lord, who are supposed to be able to be teaching other people how to walk by faith, that every time something comes your way that you don't like, you get derailed by disappointment. There are so many disappointments that I've experienced, that my wife has experienced, that we've experienced in 20 plus years of ministry that we have never shared with anybody but ourselves. There are some things we've told our ministry team, but there are some things they have no idea about. Why? Because God said, look here, I need you to praise me while it's going on. That's why you'll never come in and, 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 and have me preach a word to you and ever know about my disappointment and I'm screaming and yelling at you. All I'm going to teach to you is faith. And if I can't teach faith to you, I won't get on the broadcast. If all I can do is spew disappointment and despair and disillusionment on you, I'll sit down somewhere. Why? Because God has already told us how we should behave. Yet I will rejoice. I got a bill in the mail that I didn't expect, yet I will rejoice. I'm not sure how we're going to close on this house, yet I will rejoice. I don't know how we're going to be able to pay these medical bills, yet I will rejoice. I don't know how I'm going to send my kid to school, yet I will rejoice. I don't know how we're going to do the next thing that we believe we're supposed to, yet I will rejoice. I don't know how I'm going to grow this business that God is telling me to do. Yet I will rejoice. Listen, I know it may seem odd, but let's do this. If there's something that you don't know how you're going to do, go ahead and type it in the comment and say, but yet I will rejoice. But yet I will rejoice. But yet I will rejoice. I don't know the next career move I'm going to make. Yet I will rejoice. I don't know how I'm going to have the conversation with my family that I need to have about X, Y, and Z. Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. Why? Because rejoicing puts you in a state where you get to refine your hope. And when you start to refine your hope, faith starts to build that hope. And then hope gets all over you and you begin to get a future glimpse, glory to God, of an expectation and it begins to change your state of mind. Yet I will rejoice. Listen, we're not going to read it all, but just put it up on the screen. Hebrews 6, 9 through 19. If you're taking notes, just read it. I'm not going to go through all of it. Just read it. Just read it. Just read it. We Just read it later on. Just read it. Because in, in the last two verses, God says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Verse 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Listen, hope will become your anchor. 
If you read Hebrews 6, 9 through 19, you'll just see what happens. God begins to make this oath. And when God makes this oath, he literally, that's why it's, it's Pastor Sean's favorite scripture. God literally says he looked around and he tried to find something he could swear by. It says he looked into the earth and he couldn't find anything. He looked all throughout heaven and he couldn't find anything. And he looked high, he looked low, he looked far, he looked wide. The Bible says he couldn't find anything. And then he fooled around and found the one thing he could swear by. And he said, I swear by myself. He said, I swear to God, oh, I, oh myself, I swear that I will bless you. He said, in this hope, you can have it. That I'll cease from being God before I let this word pass you by. That's the hope that can become an anchor for your soul. God said, I put my reputation on my name. I put my, I put everything I am on my name. That if you stand in faith, faith will fuel your hope and your hope will anchor you. And there's not a, there's not a disappointment. There's not a, 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 a thing that can happen in your life that can shake God in his word. It may shake you, but it won't shake God. It's one of the reasons that we at FOC, we say all the time, faith is a skill. Somebody type that in the comment section. Faith is a skill. And the more you learn it, the more proficient you become in it fueling your hope. See, if you go out right now and you buy a $450,000 Rolls Royce Wraith, if you bought it tonight and they delivered it to you and it had no gas whatsoever in it, I could go and buy a $5,000 Toyota Corolla and put gas in it and outrun your $450,000 car. See, you bragging about your faith, but what does your faith fuel? If you, if, 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 you don't, if you don't have faith that is fueling your hope, see, hope is the car, but faith is the fuel. So, so you say, oh, I got all these hopes and these dreams. Based on what? Because if it ain't based on God's word, your hope isn't getting any fuel in it. So faith is a skill and a skill, watch this, is defined as the ability to do something well. That's what a skill is. A skill is defined as the ability to do something well. What do we want to teach you to do? To use faith well. It's why our tagline at our church, our motto is teaching you a skill. What's the skill we're teaching you? How to walk in love? What's the next skill? How to live by faith? What's the next skill? So you can experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. We say it all the time. Why? Because we are a skills-based ministry. And we want to teach you the skill of faith. And so when you begin to view faith as a skill, that can be developed, that can be strengthened, that can be helpful for you, then just like any skill, maintaining faith in tough times has to be developed. 
it has to be developed. When, when, when Taylor was younger and she was uh, playing basketball, she needed to get better at her free throws. We didn't just hope she would get better. We got her a coach. And we got the coach so that the coach could teach Taylor how to shoot free throws. And that coach taught Taylor how to shoot free throws so well that Taylor's free throws went from around 70 something percent to about 95%. Why? Because a skill can be developed. I want your faith to go from 50% to 100%. But you have to develop it. How do you develop it? By spending time in God's word. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, come on somebody, and hearing by hearing, and by hearing, and by hearing, and by hearing, and more hearing. And after you've heard, you keep hearing, and hearing, and hearing. That's why we don't despise repetitive teaching. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I hear God's word over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I never get sick of it. I never tire of it. I never get bored of it. Why? Because it's alive in my life. It is always teaching me something. It's constantly showing me something. Why? Because the word of God is alive. It'll teach me something I need for this season. And then I read the same scripture in November of this year. And it'll teach me something else I need to know for that season that is the reason i stick with the word now look at this in philippians chapter 4 verse 11 through 13 the apostle paul says this he says i am not saying what i'm saying because i am in need now watch what he says for i have learned okay that word learned means there's a skill involved the Apostle Paul says, I have gained a skill, which means a, the ability to do something well. He says, I have learned or I have become skilled in being content in whatever the circumstance I find myself. So if I find myself in hope, I can be content. If I find myself in disappointment, I can be content. He says, and I've done this because I perfected the skill in knowing what it is to be both in need and I perfected the skill of what it is to have plenty. <laughs> Glory to God. He says, I know what it's like not to have. He said, and I know what it's like to have a lot. And what I have found out is that the same God is involved in whatever state I'm in. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Whether you, whether you are broke tonight or whether you got so much money you can't count it all, the same God is involved in both of those situations. And if you are hang on to the God of the universe, if you are hang on to El Elyon, Jehovah Jireh, and Jehovah Makedesh, if you are hang on to it, if you will just hang on to Yahweh, he'll take you from having nothing to having more than enough. Why? Because he's the same God in both situations. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content whether I base or whether I bound. He says, I've learned, I have become skilled. He says that in the secret, I love this, in the secret of being content in any 
in every situation. Have you learned to be content in any situation you find yourself? Or can you only give God praise when it's going good? Can you only come to church when everything is right? But when things are happening all around you and disappointment is showing up and disillusionment is knocking on your door, despair is calling your name. Do you put your head under the covers and neglect God? The apostle says, I've become skilled in being content in any and every situation. How did he do it? He said, because I practice being in him. Come on, somebody who gives me strength. I'm asking the question and it's not rhetorical. Who gives you strength? What does your strength come from? Does it come from your six figure job? Does it come from your title? Does it come from your degree? Does it come because you're in Jack and Jill? Does it come because you're a part of this organization or that organization? Does it come because you're married? Does it come because you're not married? Does it come because you, 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 just, you just got it all together? Where does your strength come from? Pastor said, God is my strength. That's the question I'm asking you. Where does your strength come from? God is my strength. My strength comes from his word. The Bible says that heaven and hell will pass away before one jot or one tittle of his word passes away. My word comes, my strength comes from his word. And we know that Jesus is the word in flesh. And we know that Jesus is the only begotten son of God. So whether you say your strength comes from God, it comes from Jesus, it comes from the word. I just need to know it don't come from you. I just need to know it don't come from your network. I just need it doesn't come from your net worth. Because some of you think your, your strength comes from your net worth, but you can be a millionaire, a billionaire today and be broke tomorrow. So you gotta make sure that you are honing this skill of being content. That word content doesn't mean putting up with. What it means is whether I'm a hundred there today, a thousandaire, a millionaire, or a billionaire, or a trillionaire, whatever I am today, my relationship with God is the same. My love for God is the same. My passion for God is the same. My zeal for God is the same. It doesn't change what, because my money acting funny or because my money's doing right. Whether, my, whether I'm sick in my body and experiencing challenges, it doesn't stop me from having the same relationship with God. The Bible says in 2 Peter, Chapter one, verse five through seven, it said, it is for this very reason then that you and I ought to make every effort to add to our faith. What should we be adding to our faith? Because if faith is going to fuel hope, we need to be adding some things to it. We need to be adding some goodness to our faith. We need to be adding some knowledge to our faith. The Bible says, with all that getting, get understanding. We need to be adding some self-control to our faith. Stop freaking out every time something happens. Get you some self-control, some self-management. 
The fruit of the spirit talks about how you manage the self. Study the fruit of the spirit and get you some self-control. Stop crying and having a pity party every time one thing didn't work out. Sometimes God shuts your door because you didn't have sense not to walk through it. You didn't, you didn't have enough sense not to walk through the door. It looked good. It looked pretty, but it was fool's gold. And, and, and you couldn't hear God telling you not to do it because everybody else was telling you it was a good idea. So God shut the door for you. Stop crying about it. If God ever shuts the door, trust and believe he's got seven more open. And every one of them are better than the one that he shuts. He says, so then develop some perseverance. Learn how to, how to still be excited about God, even though you don't walk through the first door you see open. He said, and then let that perseverance, right, turn into godliness. Let it turn into a thing where you only want what God wants. You only don't do what God has you to do. Amen. Now, again, let me say this. Disappointments are an inevitable part of life. But faith provides a framework. That's what faith does. It provides us a framework for understanding and navigating these experiences. It doesn't necessarily remove the pain. It doesn't even necessarily remove the difficulty, especially not instantaneously. But it can alter, watch this, the way we experience and respond to disappointments. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. Watch this. I will strengthen you and help you. So when the pain is there, when the difficulty is there, when the immediacy of the disappointment is staring you in the face, he says, do not fear. He says, I am with you. He says, don't let disillusionment come to you. That's why the guiding word says, stay calm. No matter what you may see happening all around you. Isaiah tells us here in Isaiah 41 and 10, he says, I am your God. The guiding word says, I am your father of covenant. I am your father. You are my children. He says, I will strengthen you, which means my help is coming from God. He says, I will not only strengthen you, he says, I will take care of your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect, because my word is going to be an anchor for you. He says, but then I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you revelation and insight. I'm going to give you a plan of action. I'm going to give you wisdom. He says, and then I'm going to uphold you while you walk it out. He says, and then what you're going to see is you're going to see the glory and the righteousness of my white of my right hand involved in your life. Glory to God. I, I, I just wish I had eight people who was as, as, as excited about what God is promising us as I am. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, praise God or praise be to God. And father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion, watch this, he's a father of compassion. We have declared at FOC that this is a season of supernatural kindness. And this is our season of rebound and recovery. 
And as a result of this being a season of rebound and recovery and a time for God to show me supernatural kindness, I'm going to hang on to this idea that he is a father of compassion and he is the God of all comfort. And as a result, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that, watch this, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I told you we was coming back to this. I told you we was coming back to this. Now remember, now, now, now look at this. Look at, the, look at the end of this where he says, he says, who comforts us in our troubles. My God. God is promising to comfort us in our troubles. He says, and here's why I'm going to comfort you in your troubles. He says, so that you, God, this is so good, so that you can comfort those who find themselves in any trouble. He says, and I don't need you to comfort them with, with psychology. I don't need you to comfort them with, 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 with talk of the universe. He says, I want you to comfort them with the same comfort that you got comfort with from God. <laughs> Glory to God. That's why I told you earlier, you might be the first and maybe the, the, the last resemblance that somebody gets to see of Jesus before they really mean it. I am telling you, God says, watch this. I'm your, can I make this plain? Here's how God is saying this. God says, look, here's what I'm going to do. You're my child and I love you. And if you'll study my word and you let my word get in you, then when life does life and life tries to disappoint you, you may be disappointed, but it won't last long. He said it won't last long because you're going to have faith working on the inside of you. And he says, in case you don't know what faith is, it's knowing what my will is. And that's what I'm teaching you in my word. So as I teach you in my word what faith is, when disappointment comes, it's going to bump up against faith. And faith is going to punch disappointment in the face. And while it's doing that, it's going to start to fuel your hope. And while it fuels your hope, it's going to give you a steadfast expectation of optimism of what I have promised. And then what you're going to do is you're going to start giving me praise because you know that I'm not a God who can lie. You know I'm not a God who, if I said anything, I can take it back. You're going to, you're going to start praising me. You're going to start giving me glory. You're going to start doing 13 seconds of praise because you understand and you know that if I have said it, it's going to come to pass. He says, and then what's going to happen is you're going to start walking through faith. And all these disappointments that keep showing up, you're going to find yourself standing on top of them. He said, and then what's going to happen, other people are going to come to you and say, how did you do that? And what you're going to start doing is using the same comfort that I use to get you on top to help other people get on top. And then what's going to happen is they're going to start doing the same thing to get other people on top. And before you know it, you ain't even going to have to go out and preach the gospel. You're just going to start living the gospel. And as you start living the gospel, you're going to start introducing it to more people and more people are going to live the gospel. And my word is going to get spread all over the earth because that was always my original plan. That is what God is saying to us. <laughs> that is what he's saying. <laughs> that is what he is doing. He says, I'm going to comfort you out of your troubles so that what you got comforted with, you can now take and comfort somebody else so that they can get out of their troubles so they can help somebody else get out of their troubles. Are you getting this? <laughs> Let's look at Psalms 34, 17 and 19. Maybe it mean maybe it mean more to me. 
Maybe you ain't been through nothing. I don't know. Maybe maybe you've never silently went through some things and had God work you through it. And then you know it wasn't nobody but God who worked you through it. Maybe you use your intellect. Maybe you use your cause degree. Maybe you use your connection, your background, your gender, your money. I don't know. But I've been stuck sometimes. And there were some times I was so stuck, if God didn't help me, I knew for a fact I was going to fail. Ain't no way I was coming out on top. I wasn't even going to probably scrap past the bottom. I, I It was going to be utter disaster. And God reached into this little country boy who used to find himself in special ed classes from first grade to fifth grade. And God began to give me wisdom and insight to do things that people who got a lot more intelligent than I have still ain't been able to do. Why? Because I trust in God. Woo, he says the righteous cry out. My God, you ever cried out for God? You ever just cried out and said, God, I need you. God, you got to help me. God, I'm open. God, I know you've not abandoned me. Just cry out. It says the righteous cry out and watch what happens. The Lord hears them. It says he delivered him from all of the troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close. God is not far from you. You ought to put this in your mind. When disappointment shows up, God is there. When disappointment shows up, God is there. How do I know this, Pastor Edwin? Because he says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves or delivers or rescues those who are crushed in spirit. That word spirit is not the same thing as the tripartite being of us. He's talking about our soul. He says we're, our, 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 our soul is crushed. We're, we're disappointed. We're sad. We're depressed. We got anxiety. It says God is close. You're not by yourself. So then what do we need to do? What are the three keys to staying in faith during tough times? Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, number one, if you're going to stay in faith during tough times of disappointment, here's what you got to do. Number one, you must be able to acknowledge your feelings of disappointment. You got to acknowledge your feelings of disappointment, but I don't stop there without dwelling on them. So many counselors, and I have no problem with that, and this is not a, a slight against any counselors, but once you have acknowledged the feeling, once you've taken the time to sit in the feeling, then what? Just sitting in it ain't going to change. Understand that disappointment is a natural part of life and everybody's going to experience it. But disappointment does not signify failure. Disappointment does not mean the end. Disappointment does not mean forever. I acknowledge that I'm sad. I'll give you a prime example. Last week, my mother was in the hospital. It's probably the second time in my life that I've ever seen my mother in the hospital. But it was the first time I ever saw my mother in the hospital where she was struggling to breathe. And, and, and seeing her in the hospital didn't make me feel good, okay? That's my mama. I love my mama. The same way you love your mama or, or, or whoever else in your family you love. When you see people in pain, it doesn't feel good. Well, I acknowledge that I didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like how I was feeling. My mother hates needles. Every time they came in and would have to draw blood or do another IV or poke her somewhere else, 
she she would cringe and she would cry. That made my heart heavy. But I couldn't just sit there and be sad. While she was going through, I was using the word. I was declaring the word over her. I was saying what God said about her. I was reminding myself about what God said to me about her. And so what I did is I had to acknowledge the feelings, but I didn't sit there, even though we were in the hospital several days, being sad. I acknowledged them, and then I ran to the word because that's where my strength comes from. And if you're going to stay in faith, and some of you, you don't get knocked out of faith, but you let the devil push you out of faith. You let time come and wear you out. He don't just punch you and knock you out of faith. He nudges you out of faith. Well, you got to accept the inevitable. Well, well, you know she's getting older. Well, 74 is a good life. The devil is alive. The devil is alive. Now is not her time. I'm not going to allow him to feed me that and for me to, to accept that so, so that I can so that I can not be disappointed if that shows up. God, what did your word say? That's what I'm standing on. I declare her healed and whole. We're coming out this hospital. And I know that I, I know that there's a natural progression of things, but I have hope. Watch this. I have hope. What is hope? Hope gives me an optimistic mindset of an expectation that I can see in the future. And because I have hope, I go back to God's word and God's word fuels my hope. So now I'm not sad even when she's not feeling 100. I'm not sad even when she's progressing through. I'm not sad. Why? Because I'm more focused on what God has promised than what disappointment had delivered to my door. You don't have to accept every disappointment, disillusionment that comes your way. What's the second thing I got to do? Number one, I got to acknowledge my feelings, but I can't just sit in them. I got to deal with them. Number two, I stay connected with other people who share my faith. I didn't, I didn't jump on Facebook and tell everybody, y'all pray for my mama. I need all y'all on Facebook. Some of y'all don't even know who you pray to. I don't know what you pray. I, I just don't know. I ain't talking about y'all on, on, on the live. I'm talking about on Facebook. So I stayed connected to the people who I knew had the same kind of faith I did. And I said to them, hey, mother's in the hospital. We need your prayers. We, they didn't even need no litany. What's going on? What's happening? Well, my aunt had that. She didn't survive. No, no, no. They didn't do no stuff like that. They said, hey, we declare in the name of Jesus, mother is healed. She's healed and she's coming out. And then they would pray for me and they would pray for my family and they would pray for wisdom. And then we got, and then praise God, I got to shout her out. Thank God for April. Because then she started using her natural abilities as an RN to help me navigate the right questions to ask. There was a situation where we, we didn't think we were going to get to go home and she was going to stay in the hospital another day because I didn't understand all the nuances about what had to happen in order for her to come home with home health care. But listen, God gave me wisdom. God gave me insight to step out of the situation and then April take control. And when she did, we got everything worked out in a matter of a couple of hours. I can't even tell the whole story right now. But listen, we, April ended up calling a case manager. The case manager happened to be someone who knew me from Facebook. 
So he happened to start doing for me what most case managers wouldn't have done on a Sunday afternoon. So God is not only giving me favor and wisdom and insight, but now he's connected me with somebody who I don't even really know, but he's connected us through Facebook. And it happened to be the person who April called and it happened to be the person who had an office in Springdale and Conway because we needed both in order to make it out. I am telling you, you better stay connected with people who walk your walk. That's why you better get you a tribe. That's why you better get connected. That's why you need community. Because community would do for you what you can't do for yourself. So thank you, April. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know I've said it, but I'm saying it publicly. Thank you. And thank you for everybody who's praying. But I'm thanking you for what you did, because what you did, nobody else knew how to do in my circle. But you knew how to do it, and you got it done. So you better stay connected with others who share your faith. Number three, you better maintain an attitude of gratitude. Now, I wasn't happy seeing my mother in that situation. But the whole time I'm there, I was thanking God. I said, God, I thank you that I'm retired and that I can come down here and spend time with her. I said, God, I thank you that I got a wife who ain't tripping because I got to be gone. God, I thank you that I have a church who is telling me, Pastor, whatever you need to have done, take it off your plate. We got you. I'm saying to God, God, I thank you that whatever that, that what she was facing, the doctors found it. God, I thank you that they know how to treat it. God, I thank you that you gave her good nurses. God, I thank you that you gave her a good doctor. God, I thank you that, 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 that I got family who can check on her. I, God, I thank you for my cousin Steph who made her go to the hospital in the first place. I, I thank you that she just happened to stop by. God, I thank you for everything you orchestrated. And see, you get to praising God and thanking God for how everything worked out. You don't have time to think about what didn't work. You don't have time to think about the disappointment because you're, you're so thankful for what's going on. So you have to conscientiously acknowledge and appreciate all God has done. And so those are the things you need to do if you are going to stay in faith. You need to acknowledge your feelings of disappointment, but don't just sit in them. You need to stay connected with people of faith. You need community. And then number three, you need to maintain an attitude of gratitude. So you say, okay, pastor, I hear that. I hear those three things. How do we do it? Let me tell you what me and Pastor Sean have learned over the last 20 years. Here's the thing that most of you don't do that you need to do. Number one, you got to begin to practice emotional honesty. You don't practice emotional honesty. I tell God when I'm disappointed. I tell God when I'm mad. Ooh, you should be talking like that to God. You think he don't know? You think he don't know? Sometimes I get so frustrated. I'll take a walk and I say, God, I'm just angry. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. These folk you done gave me, they get on my nerve. <laughs> and then I acknowledge, I'm sure I get on your nerve, God. But God, I need you to help me. I practice emotional honesty. What is emotional honesty? It is important for us to acknowledge and to accept, and accept our emotions, even if, even if they're negative. I don't stay in them, but I do acknowledge them. Listen, disappointment 
sadness, frustration, those are all natural human responses. When I was in the hospital with my mother after that second night, I told God, I said, God, this is making me sad. I don't use the word sad a lot, but to see her in pain is making me sad. I said, now I know that you've already healed her, but I'm asking for an expedited process. I'm asking for an expedited process. I acknowledged it. And by recognizing and naming the feelings, you get to both honor your emotional experience and you get to do so without letting it define who you are. I was sad. I am not a sad person. I can be angry. I'm not an angry person. Depression can be a feeling. I don't have to be depressed. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then the second thing you do after you practice emotional honesty, you have to practice. Remember, practice. Now, why are we practicing? Because we're developing a skill. So we got to practice balancing our feelings with our faith. Faith doesn't require you to deny your feelings. Somebody say that. Faith doesn't require you to deny your feelings. But what faith does do is it offers us a framework to understand and to process our feelings. Because we have them. We have them. We're human. The Bible does not shy away from expressing a range of human emotions. Psalms, for example, is replete with expressions of sadness, anger, joy, fear, disappointment. People like David, Jeremiah, even Jesus himself exhibited strong emotional responses to varying situations. Emotions in a natural, emotions are natural and they're an acknowledged part of the human experience. Romans 12 and 2 says, and I don't think it's in there, but Romans 12 and 2 tells us that we need to be renewed in our minds. It talks about the renewal of our mind. It suggests to us then that truth that we found that we find in scripture can reshape how we as believers perceive and react to our emotions. I say this all the time. You have emotions. Emotions shouldn't have you. You have emotions. Emotions shouldn't have you. That's the reason I don't stand with, when, when born again believers are up to the hospital crying and hollering and acting a fool. Get yourself together. I'm not saying you can't be sad, but your emotions shouldn't have you. You shouldn't be out of control. Something bad happened. You shouldn't be falling apart. Why? Because you need to practice balancing your emotions that you are practicing uh, emotional honesty with, with your faith. And let me, let me help you. In case you ever are not clear, your faith should win out. <laughs> your faith should win out over your emotions. And then number three, we talked about this a little bit, but you got to practice having a hopeful, a, help, a hopeful perspective. Faith from God is designed to show us a broader perspective of all of life's difficulties. The God kind of faith, it encourages viewing challenges, including disappointments, as temporary and as potentially transformative experiences in our life. This perspective fosters hope and it can prevent us from having feelings of despair and hopelessness. Listen, as I finish this teaching tonight, I just want you to hear this. I want to encourage you to hold tightly 
to this profound truth. And that is that our journey through faith, especially during times of disappointment, should not be a solitary trek, but it should be a shared experience. You need people in your life to help you. You need people in your life to say to you, Shavandra, you can win. You need people in your life who can say, Miss Brenda, you can win. You need people in your life who will say to you, Courtney, you got this. You need people in your life who can say, say it, you can go further than you thought you could go. You need people in your life who will encourage you and help you and strengthen you when your faith is fueling your hope. We don't walk this path alone. We were never designed to walk it alone. The devil wants to isolate you because if he can isolate you, he can bombard you with, with thoughts that you then play over and over in your head and they become seeds for you in order to germinate in your life and they become negative things that God never had any intention to be in your life. So here's what we got to do. We got to embrace the discipline of gratitude. We got to embrace the discipline of worship. We got to embrace the discipline of perseverance. We have to embrace the discipline of practice. And as we do these things, it will allow us to better process our emotions. And we will process them not through our human experience, but through the lens of faith. And as we process them through the lens of faith, champions, Here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover a smooth balance between acknowledging our emotions, being uh, honest about those emotions, but at the same time, balancing them with the word of God. Champions, our faith is never static. Our faith is dynamic and it is growing and it should be getting stronger every day. And just like any skill, and we've talked about honing this skill, any skill that's honed, including faith, that's honed over time, it gets deeper, it gets stronger, and it becomes something we can use in the face of challenge. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, be ye unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that what you're going through right now, your labor, what is the labor? You walking in faith in the face of disappointment is the labor. He said that labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is a reward. There is recompense for your labor. The labor is you doing it God's way. Even when everybody else is telling you, you should just give up. I'm not giving up because I was not built. I was not engineered or designed to allow disappointment to derail my dreams, my desires, or my destiny. I was not built to quit. It's why Joshua 1 and 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. Somebody ought to shout to the mountaintop wherever I go. Wherever I go, <laughs> I'm done, but you ought to type in the comment section. God's with me wherever I go. God is with me wherever I go. God is with me wherever I go. He says, do not be afraid. He said, be strong. Be courageous. Don't be discouraged. God is with me wherever I go. God was with me and my mama in Baptist Hill. God is with you in whatever situation you are facing right now. God is with you in every trial, every circumstance, every situation you find yourself. I wish I had somebody with a doggone it attitude. Doggone it, God is with me. I mean, you you like you forget, forget you, devil. God is with me. I ain't afraid. I am staying in faith. I'm going to stay right here in faith. You're not moving me. If I got to rehearse, the, the if I got to go 10 years in the past and start rehearsing what God did. That's why I like when I was talking to April and Ralph about their new home. Because there were some challenges, some things that they was like, okay, how's this going to work out? But what they kept saying is, man, we had a whole lot less when they gave us the first house. We had a whole lot less. When God gave us the first house, when God gave us the fish, when God gave us the wash and dry, when God gave us money to walk away from closing, the same God, <laughs> the same God who did that is the same God who can do this. But what the enemy wants you to do is to get disappointed because if he can get you disappointed on some expectation that haven't even come through yet, because remember, disappointment is about a failed or a perceived failure. Can I tell you, most of you haven't even failed. You just think you have. And because you think you have, you buy into the lie that the enemy tells you that you have. And then your perceived failure becomes your disappointment. But don't go on it. The same God who got me through X, Y, and Z will be the same God who won't get me through A, B, and C. Same God. Same God knew me. Same God knew me. I'm new. <laughs> My thinking is new. My attitude is new. Glory to God. Listen, let me give you these last few announcements. Let me get out of here. I've been with you for an hour and 22 minutes because then five don't count for announcements. <laughs> Let me give you something. Listen, go to the announcement section. Start. Let's start with relationships 101. Glory to God. While, while we're doing that, I know I don't always do that. Somebody put in the comment section, what do you get out of this today? Relationships 101 class is going to be Tuesday, February 13th. That is the day before what they call Valentine's Day or International Love Day. Pastor Sean and I are going to be sharing um, some, some great information with you. You're going to want to come out. We had about 187, I think, people who joined us on the live last time. Let's get to 200. Let's get to 200 this time. Let's, let's get to 200 people joining us on the day before Love Day. Also, February, we're hosting our huddle on February 25th. So those of you who have not attended a huddle in a while, you ought to make plans to come. 
and join us on February 25th at 11 a.m. on our Fayetteville campus. Remember, on the days that we have a huddle, Pastor Chris does not host worship on Sunday mornings on her Facebook page because she will be in the house with the entire praise team leading us into worship. Also, don't forget about Project 2024. Uh, again, we are over our pledge goal. That's great. We're over the 100,000. I'm going to go and look and see. We'll update you on Sunday about how many new partners have signed up to be a part. Uh, I know, I think a couple have. And so I'll give you a total number. Right now, we're sitting around 80, maybe a few more than that. But let's get to 100. What are you waiting on? Somebody say, what is Project 2024? Let me just explain in case you're brand new. Project 2024 is our faith project for this year. We are going to raise $100,000 in which we can do great benevolence to people in the community. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, so a minimum, we still have our benevolence line item, but we're going to take this special $100,000 that we're going to raise between now and June 30th. And we're going to use it to really be impactful in a big way as God gives us instruction. We're talking about paying off medical bills. We're talking about relocating people in domestic violence situations. We're talking about helping people uh, with, with, with medical expenses. We may go out. The Lord may have us go out and just bless people in a grocery store one day, buy them groceries and, and just share with them how much we love them. But God's going to give us a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, through our partners. And not only that, but it's going to allow you as a participant to watch and see how God gives you both seed and bread. That is part of our guiding word, that God gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. So I'm not asking you to go out and, and use your credit card to do this. I'm not asking you to go out and, 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 and take it out of your 401 or take it out of your uh, savings. I'm asking you to ask God. Number one, I'm asking you to say yes. Say yes. I want to be a part of Project 2024. My man of God said, we're doing this. He got the vision and I have endeavored to go with him. And so I'm going to go and sign up. And the way you go and sign up again, you go to the Facebook page or the Facebook group. It is pinned there. It is a QR code. All you have to do is use your phone or click the link. It's a short, I mean, really short form you fill out. We're asking you if you fill it out, to put a minimum of a $1,000 pledge, a minimum. There's obviously, there's people who've done more. We've already met the pledge amount and we only got 80%. Let's not be a church where 80% of the people show up and do what God says. Let's be a church who lives out our creed that we have 100% of our people who participate. We have 100% of our people who tithe and we have 100% of our people who serve. Can we, I would love to get to 100 by Sunday. We've been doing this now for over almost two months. We've been doing it since December, January, almost two months. Let's get to 100 and get this over with. Will you be one? Will you be one if you haven't signed up? Will you sign up? Will you say yes to God and watch God do it? Because he'll give you more than a thousand. He'll give you seed to sow, but he'll also give you bread to eat. All right. Listen, don't forget to become a, a part of our text messaging services. I think they announced this doing prayer, I think, or maybe a little earlier. So there's ways to stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. Pastor Nietzsche said, I am one. Praise God. One of 80. She's one of 80. Are you one of 80? Are you one of 80? If not, come on. Let's get to 100 by Sunday. And then lastly, don't forget about our four commitments. They are still our commitments. We want to not miss a service. We don't want to miss a service. 
We want you to read your word every day. I need you to read your word. I need you to read your word so that when I'm preaching, you can be shouting too, because you know what I'm talking about. I need you to read your word. I need you to take communion as often as you want to. You don't have to wait till the third Sunday. You don't have to wait till somebody gives it to you. The Bible says as often as you do it. If you're believing God for something, whatever you said you believe in God for tonight, right? And, and, and you had kind of let disappointment rob you of it. And you said, nope, God is with me everywhere. You can take communion on that tonight. Be like, I'm taking communion on that tonight. I'm taking communion on the fact that I will stay in faith when disappointment shows up. I'm taking communion over it. You can do that tonight. And then number four, spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the gift of holy, if you don't have the, the gift of tongues, listen, it's a free gift. God wants to give it to everybody. Ask Holy Spirit to give it to you. Ask Holy Spirit to come into your life and fill you. Why do we do that? Because the Bible says there are times that we don't even know what to pray. And the Spirit makes intercession for us. And as the Spirit makes intercession for us, it's praise through, through murmurings and groanings that we ourselves couldn't even do. Amen? So hang on to those four commitments. Do those four things and see us right back here. Okay? Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. for Champion Circle, okay? And when we show up for Champion Circle, we want you to show up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because we believe that something supernatural happens when we pray. I enjoy seeing you guys put the things in the comment. I can't read them all because they're going kind of fast, but I'll go back and read them. Let me know again, what, did you, what was your takeaway? What was your takeaway from this service? Also, don't forget, opportunity to give opportunity for give. There's always an opportunity to give. And if you if this word blessed you, come on and sow tonight. You ought to sow tonight. There are multiple ways to do it. You We, we got 100% tithers, 100% givers, 100% servers, okay? That's why I forget sometimes to even talk about giving because we have such good givers. You guys just do it. But for those of you who may be new or you may need a little teaching about it, here's what you can do. You can give through Givelify, through Pushpay, through tithely or text to give. You can text the number 833-969-0897 and you can text right from your cell phone. You got it in your hand right now, probably. You can just text to give that way. Or if you like, you can go to our Give With Five, Push, Pay, or Tithely platform. If you happen to be outside of the United States of America, you can still give. You just have to use PayPal by going to PayPal and using our email address, focchurchnwa at gmail.com. You can do that. Uh, and listen, one thing I can tell you is, is this is a ministry of financial integrity. We have never once had one single scandal, not one. We have never promised to give a scholarship out and not gave it out. We have promised to not, never give an organization money and not give it to them. Every dime that comes into this ministry is accounted for. We, we, you're supposed to keep IRS records for seven years. We have them from since we started ministry. Literally, they're in a store from when we started ministry. We have envelopes from Abundant Life. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know the name of the church. It used to be Abundant Life. Why? Because we just believe in doing things the right way. If you honor God with money, God would never let money be something that you have to do something evil for. Amen. So listen, I love you guys. Have a great night. Uh, appreciate you so much. Don't forget about all the things we have during the week. We mentioned those earlier. Join us Friday morning. You can, if you, if you join us early enough, you can see all the weekly announcements. Pastor Rav has developed us a video. And so we see that every week. So keep those in mind. Set your calendar, set your reminders, and listen.
be blessed, being hope, and don't let go of your faith. Amen. God bless you.